2: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
0: Thanks for listening to the best of the Ben Maller Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 2 to 6 Eastern, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. Pacific on
4: Fox Sports Radio. And to find your local station for the Ben Maller Show at
0: foxsportsradio.com. You can find it there or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR.
1: This is the best of the Ben Maller Show on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Oh, what's
4: going on, everybody? Hope you're enjoying your early Monday morning slash late Sunday night. I'll tell you what, Super Wild Card Weekend has been freaking beautiful. It has been a lovely amount of ball over here. Now, I wasn't the only one who thought Sunday might be a little, eh, a little light on drama. Yeah, had the Bills, huge favorites. They were actually the biggest favorite of wild card weekend history. <laughs> In the wild card round, the Bills were the biggest favorite ever. Against the Dolphins. I'm a diehard Dolphins fan. Going into that, I'm like, eh, is there going to be drama? I don't know. The nightcap, you have the backup quarterback, Tyler Huntley, in there for Baltimore. Is that going to be good? I don't All three games on Sunday were nail biters. It was tremendous. It was great. We're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help get you there in unmatched selection, fast free shipping free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Okay, so a theme of Super Wildcard Weekend, which, by the way, a quick reminder, not over yet. Not over yet. We still have Dallas and Tampa on Monday night. A great way to wrap up the weekend. But we look at Sunday and, and dip our big toe in the waters of Saturday as well. I'll get knee-deep into the Saturday games as we go on here this early morning. But let's start mainly with Sunday. Let's just stick with the theme of the losing teams, which would be huge boo-boos. Just gigantic boo-boos at critical moments of these games. So if we start with the nightcap, Bengals beat the Ravens. 24-17. The game was tied early in the fourth quarter. 17 apiece. Ravens quarterback Tyler Huntley, he tried to sneak the ball. Tried to sneak his way in there for a touchdown. Went high. Not quite. Remember Drew Brees years ago where at the one-yard line, he just kind of jump over and extend the ball and just break the plane of the goal line. That's what Tyler Huntley tried to do. He's just too far away. He's just too far away. Tried to, really, on Saturday night, Trevor Lawrence, when they went for two at the one-yard line, just extended the ball over That's what Tyler Huntley tried to do. Didn't work. Backfired big time. Ball got knocked out of his hands and returned 98 yards for a touchdown by Sam Hubbard. It's crazy. Think about that. The beginning of the fourth quarter, Ravens trying to go in to take a seven-point lead. At worst... They'd have to maybe settle for a field goal or they'd have a chance to go for it on fourth down. Whatever the case, it was a 14-point swing where the Bengals returned it 98 yards for a touchdown. I love after the game, what a quote by the running back J.K. Dobbins. Ravens running back, he was talking about that goal line fumble and he said he should have never been in that situation. I don't get a single carry In the red zone. I didn't get a single carry. He should never have been in that situation. I believe I would have put it in the end zone again. I like the honesty. I like that he's like, hey, 27. Call my number. I've got a better chance than our quarterback who isn't 6'6 like Trevor Lawrence. And we're not even at the one yard line. Like, goodness, what are we doing over here? Then you look to the final drive for the Ravens. They were taking their sweet time. Remember, just flashing in my head, remember when the Eagles lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl and they were taking their sweet time and then it came out later that Donovan McNabb was was having a hard time catching his breath and they were just wasting time. It, It felt a little bit like that where the Ravens, it's under two minutes to play, and they keep huddling up. They're huddling And huddling and huddling again. It's the old Chris Berman tick, 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 tick. There's under a minute to play. They called a running play. (laughs) They called a run. I think they were just outside the red zone. They call a running play. They're whistled for holding. And that screwed everything up. So you fast forward, final seconds. They had to throw a Hail Mary. It was fourth and 20. They almost caught it as badly as they mismanaged the clock down the stretch. They almost caught a deflected Hail Mary for maybe the tying score. The way I thought about it, the way the Ravens managed everything, I understand that they wanted to time it out just perfectly where they score. And if they kick the extra point, Joe uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals don't have a whole lot of time to kick the go-ahead winning field goal. I don't know if Crazy Pants Harbaugh was thinking about going for two. I actually tossed that out on Twitter where there were about three minutes left. I'm like, this might be premature. But if the Ravens score a touchdown, I would not be surprised at all if John Harbaugh goes for two over here. They managed the clock as if they were going to do that. We'll never know if they were going to go for two or not. I was hoping for the overtime rules to kick in. We'll get into that, the strategy of playoff overtime. Both teams get the ball. Even if the first team scores a touchdown, the other team gets a crack at it. And so I I was just curious what would happen in the first playoff overtime with those tweaked rules. But I wouldn't put, put it past John Harbaugh to go for two had they scored the touchdown. It just bit him in the butt. They were trying to time it out perfectly, and they end up screwing themselves. So the Bengals move on. They'll meet the Bills in the divisional round next week. So the Bills, we look at their game real quickly here. Bills were favored by 14 points. Biggest favorite in the wild card round history. Okay? So you're going in. I, like I said, I'm a diehard Dolphins fan. I'm going into that game, and I'll be brutally honest with you. I didn't have high hopes. I did not have high hopes for my fins on Sunday. They were down 17 to nothing. Wait, who had high hopes for a seventh-round rookie in Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins at that stage? Not many people. Not many people. And then Josh Allen was like, why don't I just start throwing interceptions over here? right? Let me throw it deep. Nice pick by Xavier Howard. Sort of deflected ball. He's trying to hook up with Cole Beasley. That gets picked off as well. Next thing you know, it's tied up. 17-17. Bills take the lead at the half. You fast forward to the end of the game. Dolphins are facing fourth and one near midfield. Delay of game. Delay of game. What is happening? That was a constant theme throughout the game. And they've got... Again, their seventh-round rookie quarterback, Skylar Thompson, who has a couple of starts under his belt, and they were bad. <laughs> they were all bad, right? Let's see. He threw for, I think it was 100, 152 yards, something like that, against the Jets in the previous week. That was like his breakout performance. Everything else was brutal. He had one touchdown, three interceptions, heading in to the wild card game. Not much to write home about, and and then you had to burn timeouts left and right because the clock was about to run out during the second half. It was a slow process getting the play in, getting the play called in the huddle, getting to the line of scrimmage and snapping the ball. And so the Dolphins are out of timeouts. It's fourth and one delay of game. Fourth and six, he's got an open Tyreek Hill, doesn't see him, throws to his tight end Gasicki, incomplete. It is over. Ah, oh, it was just brutal, just brutal. But to have a delay of game penalty on fourth and one is just a debacle. The head coach Mike McDaniel, he explained it after the game. They thought it was first and ten, and McDaniel said the officials originally called it first and ten. So they're putting in certain personnel for a first and ten, and then it's like, oh, psych, fourth and one, and so they're they're. Kind of scrambling around, trying to get the right personnel in for it being fourth and one instead of first and ten. So that's what led to it. Uh, you also have, and feel free to check in, 877-99 on Fox is your phone number. Highly interactive this morning, as I will just be blabbering about ball. Just blah, 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 blah. But you want to get in here, feel free to do so. The Giants beat the Vikings. highly entertaining game. As I said, every game on Sunday was great. All these games are nail biters. Shout out to Daniel Jones, who played great. Guy throws for 301 yards. He ran the ball. He was half crazy legs. Daniel Jones, 17 carries for 78 yards. And then he threw for 301, two touchdowns. Passer ratings, 114. Daniel Jones was fantastic. Fantastic. Now, the Vikings defense, how how should I put this? It is awful. The Vikings defense is brutal. But I don't take away anything from Daniel Jones. He played great. Saquon Barkley did his thing as well. He was really good. Only nine carries for 53 yards, but two touchdowns. Made his presence known, catching the ball as well. Five catches for 56 yards. So Saquon and Daniel Jones did their thing. But we fast forward to the end of the game. The theme of the first segment, boo-boos. Boo-boos at the wrong time. The Vikings were facing fourth and eight. What do you dial up on fourth and eight? Well, we could throw it to Justin Jefferson, arguably the best receiver in football. Uh, Maybe Thielen's open. TJ Hawkinson had a day. TJ had 10 catches for 129 yards. So the Vikings are like, bingo, let's go to Hawkinson. The only problem was on fourth and eight, they threw it about two yards to Hawkinson who got tackled right away, and that's your season. Thanks for stopping by. That is a brutal way for your season to end. It's one thing if you throw a short pass, like one of those little crossing patterns where if it's Justin Jefferson, you throw it four yards, but he's got a legitimate shot to get to the line to gain. You threw a two-yard pass to D.J. Hawkinson. He got got tackled right away, and that was it. Your season's over. Brutal. And we saved the best boo-boos for last. The Chargers. Instead of go, Chargers, go. It was, oh, Chargers. Oh. They were up 27-0 against Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence is throwing interceptions. Like he's trying to set a new trend. Four first half interceptions. You get a pick. You get a pick. It's the old Oprah thing. And then the Jags just slowly start uh, creeping back in. It's 27-7 at halftime. And then give Jacksonville some credit. It's not just a meltdown. It was partially a meltdown from the Chargers. Partially a great comeback from Jacksonville. But they start piecing things together, piecing it together. You get to the end of the game, and a couple of boo-boos over here. Cameron Dicker, the kicker, missed a 40-yarder. That was a big deal. Joey, quote-unquote, Gronk Spike Bosa, just slamming his helmet down. He thought he was held toward the end of the game on a touchdown throw from Lawrence. He Gronk Spikes his helmet. He gets an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. And Doug Peterson, I give him credit. I thought he was out of his mind at the time. But it worked, so he's a genius, you know? It's kind of like Sean Payton with the Saints Super Bowl where they go surprise on side to start the second half. It worked, so he's a genius. If it didn't work out, he's a bumbling idiot. Same thing with Doug Peterson. After Joey Gronk spiked his helmet, crazy pants Doug Peterson's like, screw it, let's go for two. They were down by four. And Trevor Lawrence at the one just goes go go gadget arm, extends the ball, touchdown. All right, two point conversion. So they're only down by two. And when Jacksonville gets the ball back, they drive down, kick the winning field goal. It's over. That's your season. But man, I people want to point the finger at Justin Herbert. Well I'll give you the cliffs notes version here. We'll extend our our legs out in a second here, but if you want to blame Brandon Staley, blame Brandon Staley. That dude, you want to talk about idiocy. I don't know what you're doing playing Mike Williams, your wide receiver who's been banged up all year. I don't know what you're doing playing him in a meaningless Week 18 game against the Broncos. There are people that will throw it out there. Well, Tampa played there, guys. Is Mike Evans as injury-prone as Mike Williams or... Like, really? You're playing Mike Williams. He had a small fracture in his back against Denver. He didn't play against Jacksonville. If Mike Williams is out there, the Chargers have a much better chance to win that game. It might not have even been close down the stretch like that. So you've got that on Brandon Staley. You've got a 27-0 lead. He specializes on the defensive side of the ball. That's his background. He's a defensive coach. And Jacksonville comes storming back. That's on him. If you want to play the blame game with the Chargers, start with Staley. Then you get to Dicker the kicker. If he makes a 40-yarder, it's a 13-point game. Completely changes the, the, last, the last quarter there. And then also Joey Bosa. What are you doing? If he doesn't Gronk spike his helmet, you just kick the extra point right there. You've, Jags are down by three. So you play it out, the final sequence. If the Jags don't score a touchdown, they're kicking it. You're going to overtime. Chargers still have life. So I can't believe there's as much negativity as there is out there about uh, Justin Herbert. I'm not telling you you can't blame him whatsoever. But if you're blaming him before Staley, Dicker the Kicker, Joey Bosa, I just don't agree with you. I mean, He was 10 for 19 in the second half. He didn't throw... A pick six. He didn't throw multiple interceptions. He didn't fumble a couple of times. Like it's just like, oh, Herbert, Herbert, Herbert. (laughs) What are you guys talking about? But feel free to check in. 877-99-ON-FOX is your number. Your thoughts on any of the games. We will get to Purdy Palooza, as I am dubbing it. Is all these Purdy fanboys? Brock Purdy, he's got game. He's he's the quarterback of the future. You guys are geeks who <laughs> are just stuck in a moment over here. Good, let give you a little reality check on Purdy Palooza this hour. Uh, it is a cool story, man. Don't let anything I say distract from. It is a pretty cool story where he goes from Mr. Irrelevant to not losing a game as the starting quarterback of the 49ers. But good Lord, let's keep things in perspective. As we go along here,
1: Paulie Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo. As you all know, we're the host of the number one rated show in all of sports talk, the Paulie and Tony Fusco show. Numero uno. Yeah, and we know why millions of people tune in every week. Yeah. They want to hear us talk sports, not our idiot guests who think they know more about sports than we do. Yeah, listen to these dummies. You don't know crap about sports. No. Uh, you don't know nothing uh, about football. This is the worst thing Wait, I've ever heard. Get off the show, oh. You don't know basketball. If you want to hear how sports talk should be done, listen to the Polly and Tony Fusco Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific.
0: Oh, what's going on, everybody?
4: Hope you're enjoying your early Monday morning over here. Lots going on. Oh, Super Wildcard Weekend has just been magnificent. Really been enjoying this. We will get to Purdy Palooza here coming up shortly. Some people are losing their minds. <laughs> Losing their minds with Brock Ferdy. We're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help get you there in unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. I always struggle with the word recommended. I have no idea why. Anyway, uh, play a drinking game every time I screw up recommended. On this read over here. But um, let's get to Brock Purdy. Here are a couple of things. So, I'll get the pleasantries out of the way first. Uh, Because, believe it or not, I do have a heart. (laughs) I do have a heart over here. It might not sound like it from time to time, but I read a piece from uh, Marcus Thompson of The Athletic. And he did a a piece about uh, Brock Purdy. And it it was really well-written, as it always is with this guy. And he was talking about Brock Purdy's background and just how how he operates, what makes him tick. And a couple of the things that I found really interesting, Brock Purdy is a perfectionist. And he sort of walks the line between his perfectionism helping him and not letting his perfectionism hurt him, where he's this meticulous guy who prepares and all this stuff. And he, he tries not to be doomed by the previous play that wasn't good. And I think you saw that on display against Seattle. It was not the greatest start for Brock Purdy on Saturday against Seattle. A little bit of a shaky first half. A couple of passes should have been intercepted. Wasn't a work of art, but he made plays. He had a really good second half. A couple of nice touchdown throws. Kept the play alive in the red zone. Found McCaffrey for the first score, found his other running back, Elijah Mitchell, for the second touchdown, and then he threw to a wide open Debo Samuel, who did the rest on a 74-yard grab. So Birdie got a throwback middle, wide open
0: Debo Samuel down the sideline, 50, 40, Debo 30, Debo 20, Debo 10, Debo Touchdown. San Francisco!
4: My guy, Mark, has got his finger on the button. <laughs> I just learned, like, he is ready to run. Not just yet, Mark. Just give me a little time over here. You'll know. You'll know. He's ready to roll with some audio over here. So, Brock Purdy, it's a good story. Let nothing I say screw up the good story that is, is, is here with us. He's Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last pick of the draft and he's been undefeated so far as the starting quarterback of the Niners. It's a fun story. And I, I as a football fan, I enjoy stuff like that. But bad logic drives me crazy. And there has been so much bad logic related to Brock Purdy. Where I'll read things, I'll hear things with each pass that Brock Purdy throws. He's making the 49ers decision easier and easier as far as the quarterback of the future. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are we serious right here? You remember, if you think of a football comparison, remember Cardale Jones? It's not perfect because he was still in college. But Cardale Jones came in for the Ohio State and was on a magic carpet ride. They won the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin, like 59 to nothing. Then they go to the playoff. They beat Bama. Then they beat Oregon. And there were people that are like, he's a top 10 pick. He's easily a first round pick. Oh, this guy, he's unbelievable. And it's like, he was a fourth round pick who did pretty much nothing in the NFL. You know, like the comparison isn't college guy. I know it might trip some people up, but it's college player versus Rock Purdy is playing well in the NFL. The comparison is being caught in a moment where it's good for the time being, but you're not projecting where things are headed. You're just stuck in the here and now and not realistically looking at how it's going to go down in the future. I think the better comparison with Brock Purdy is a guy who doesn't even play football. Do you remember Jeremy Lin? Remember Lynn? Remember Lynn's Sanity? The phenomenon that that was? Jeremy Lin just burst on the scene with the New York Knicks. And for about a three-week period, he went ballistic. <laughs> and we loved it. We got caught up in it. Lin Sanity, this is ab- unbelievable. This is so much fun. Like, we're not realistically looking at how the future is going to go. And Jeremy Lin, it, he reached an expiration date. He stayed in the NBA for a number of years. He was role player, backup guy, then played overseas. But he was never destined for stardom like real stardom. It wasn't going to happen. That's what Brock Purdy is. This is Lynn Sanity 2.0, the football version. Brock Purdy is the Jeremy Lynn of the NFL. That is the truth. But everybody got caught up in it On Saturday, LeBron's even tweeting, Purdy got game with a bunch of exclamation points. Purdy's a baller. I see that all over the place. No, he's not. He's a guy who's playing over his head right now. He's throwing to wide open receivers. He's on a magic carpet ride. And just like Jeremy Lin, the expiration date is not too far around the corner. That's the truth. And you might not like the truth. You might not... Appreciate the truth, but that is the truth. There's a common theme over here with Brock Purdy where if you listen closely to the audio over here, listen to how it's described with him throwing to a wide-open Debo Samuel. Here you go. Here's the call on the 49ers radio network.
0: Go ahead, Mark. Birdie good a throwback middle, wide open, Debo Samuel, down the sideline, 50, 40, Debo 30, Debo 20, Debo 10, Debo, touchdown,
4: San Francisco. Yeah, just throw it to a wide open Debo Samuel. There's no one within 5, 10 yards of the guy. Let me ask you this. Is this routinely what happens in the NFL? Do you see quarterbacks just throwing routinely to guys that are open by 5 or 10 yards? No, you don't routinely see that happen. So what do you think's going to happen when he's not throwing to wide open receivers left and right? Do you really think that that Brock Purdy is the quarterback of the future for the 49ers? Is that what you think? Because he's not. I got news for you. I got another cut for you. This is from the regular season matchup against Seattle. This is not from Saturday. Right? Not from Super Wild Card Weekend. But this is from the 49ers beating Seattle in Seattle. And him throwing to a wide open George Kittle. Just listen. Listen to how it's described by Al Michaels on Prime Video. Great
0: protection and wide open is Kittle. Roaming free. Diggs can't take him down. Nobody else can, and it's a touchdown. 54 yards. Wide, wide open along the
4: sideline. I like that. It's a, There's no one within 10 yards of the guy. I love these drops. Roaming free. Roaming free. How often do you hear that in the NFL? Wide, wide open. Wide, wide open. I, I just flashed back to the Sunday night game. There was a play in the game where Ravens quarterback Tyler Huntley threw a ball to Mike, Mark Andrews along the sideline. And Jesse Bates, the safety, is just draped all over Mark Andrews. And yet the pass is still completed. Those are the windows that you typically see in the NFL. Tight windows. And I know this is Kyle Shanahan's offense and all that. Great. You're not going to have wide open guys all the time. It's just not going to happen. And when you've seen Purdy throwing to receivers that are not wide open by 5, 10 yards, it's it's not a work of art. I, I would compare it to this guy too. Think of Tua Tungavailoa. So Tua in Miami, he runs a similar offense. Mike McDaniel, he coached under Kyle Shanahan. The Dolphins run a very similar offense. What did you see from Tua this season? Early part of the season, he was an absolute baller. He was a legitimate MVP candidate for the first half of the season. Then what did you see toward the, the end of the year? They're not throwing for, for prolific yards left and right. He couldn't do anything against the Chargers. Nothing. His stat line will give you nightmares. And I know he was concussed against the Packers. Maybe that had something to do with three interceptions in the second half. And the point is this Tua looked unbelievable. For a large portion of the season, and then not so much at all toward the second half. So, do you think that the same thing might happen with Brock Purdy? Yeah, yeah. But hey, listen. Again, don't let my um, I would say reality check screw you up. Some would say criticism. Some would say negativity. I would say it's reality. But he won a playoff game. He's a rookie. He hasn't lost a start, but if you're really excited about him winning a home game against a seven seed who doesn't play good defense, if you're impressed by that, be my guest. I I would swing the other way, but don't let me ruin the good time. It's just, it's not built to last. The truth is, Brock Purdy is a poor man's Jimmy Garoppolo. That's what he is. He's a poor man's Jimmy G. Jimmy G is just a guy. That's exactly what Brock Purdy is, too. I I mean, hey, if you look at that as raining on the parade, okay. I, I just think this is the reality here. But if you're the person who's saying what I'm saying in the the peak of Tebow mania, you know, Tebow time, if you're like, this is not going to last. You're just, oh, you're a hater. You just, you're just you rooting against the guy. It's like, no, not really. I've just watched enough football to know this is not built to last. And, and people just, I don't know, they're polling for Brock Purdy, which is fine, but to the point that you don't want to hear anything logical. You just want the party to continue. I can even hear people just say, oh, Brock Purdy is so much better than Tim Tebow. What is this guy talking about? Where's Big Ben Maller here at? It's like you just don't want to listen. You just want to believe something will last when it's not built to. You're the same person that wants Lynn Sanity to last for 5, 10 years when it was a three-week stretch. It's the same thing with Brock Purdy. If you want Brock Purdy to be like the quarterback of the future for the next decade, this is Linsanity 2.0. It's going to last for a number of weeks. What are we on, like six weeks now in this NFL season? telling you, man, expiration date is coming very, very soon. And I think this was actually a bad result for the Niners on Sunday. I think if the Vikings had won, that's a much more favorable matchup. The Vikings defense freaking sucks. (laughs) It's brutal. And I'm like, hey, listen, I'm probably going to take it on the chin again for one more week where Purdy lights up a pathetic Vikings defense if Minnesota wins on Sunday. But they didn't so the 49ers, they get the winner of Tampa-Dallas. And I think that's a lot more interesting because I Tampa has been a weird team all year. They're an 8-9 and nine team, but their defense is better than Minnesota's. And the Cowboys' defense, we got a real pass rush with Micah Parsons. They have been brutal defending the pass down the stretch of the season. But... I give them a much better chance than the Vikings against Brock Purdy and Purdy Palooza over there. So next week's going to be really interesting for San Francisco. Um, But don't let this... Understand this. Just because I think something's going to go a certain way doesn't mean I'm rooting like, oh man, I would love nothing more than for Brock Purdy to... It's not like... Being critical and negative and rooting for demise. It's just like, bro. Like, a perfect example. I'm a diehard Dolphins fan. I didn't think they had a decent chance against Buffalo at all. That's not what I'm rooting for. I'm not rooting for the Dolphins to get kicked in the teeth and lose by 10 touchdowns, you know? But I thought it was a good chance. Probably going to lose by a couple. And that was wrong. So that's just my outlook. That's what I see with Brock Purdy, not built to last. But it has been a great story. And if you've been enjoying it, that's great. Just try not to be a crazy person in the process. You know, Be realistic about where things are headed. Or you're going to make a similar mistake that you made with Cardale Jones projecting him to be a top 10 quarterback who's awesome. Or with Jeremy Lin in the height of Lin Sanity or Tebow or any of that stuff. It's not built to last. Same thing with Birdie, man.
0: Terms and conditions apply.
1: go to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Oh,
4: what's going on? Hope you're enjoying your early Monday morning over here. Don't want to quite come down from the high of Super Wild Card Weekend. It has been crazy so far. Four of the five games have been outstanding. And yeah, actually, we had some drama for a little while in that Seahawks-Niners game where, man, the turning point was Geno's fumble. Geno made a couple of really nice plays. Nice touchdown throw to DK Metcalf, but when the Seahawks are down by six and they're in field goal range, the Geno Smith fumble was huge. That was the turning point in the game because if you at least protect the ball, kick the field goal, you're down by three. Still a game. Still a game in the fourth quarter. Uh, but that led to the undoing. I think it's one of these things, it's one of the lessons, as much football as I learn, I learned lessons all the time. But one of the lessons, it's not that I learned it, but it reinforced it in that Seattle Niners game. And even the Buffalo game on Sunday with Josh Allen had a fumble that was returned for a touchdown early in the second half. We spend so much time talking about interceptions. We'll talk a little bit later on the show about the upcoming game, the last one of Super Wild Card Weekend, Dallas against Tampa. And Dak Prescott has been a turnover machine. He's thrown 11 interceptions in the last seven games. That's a ton. And we spend all this time on interceptions, picks, interceptions. We don't spend as much time on fumbles. Think about Daniel Jones, good example. Daniel Jones, Giants quarterback, he played great against the Vikings. He had an outstanding game. Daniel Jones was absolutely plagued by fumbling the ball earlier in his career. He fumbled it like once per game on average. And so I I think that we just gloss over quarterback fumbles far too easily when those can kill you just as much as an interception. Those can kill you more. Just think about it. If you fumble, the ball is right where you left it, right? Like you could throw the ball downfield Josh Allen threw an interception on a bomb where Xavier Howard bicked it off. If Xavier Howard is tackled where he caught it, I mean, that's like a 45-yard throw downfield, roughly, give or take. If you fumble it in your own you know, backfield in the pocket it's like, and the other team recovers, boom, they've got the ball right there. So I think that we shouldn't gloss over fumbling issues as much as we do at times, but... Getting back to Super Wild card Weekend, in spite of the Geno Smith fumble, there was some drama up until that point, and the game got away, but the other four games of the five have been absolute nail biters. It's been a tremendous weekend so far. I just hope Dallas and Tampa is another barn burner. Uh, we're coming to you uh, from the... Uh, TireRack.com Studios. TireRack.com will help get you there in unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Okay, I've riled up the the Hornets. We'll get to the Hornets here in a little bit, but let's change the subject for a second. I'll circle back to the golden child, uh, cleated Jesus, if you will. I used to call Josh Rosen that tongue-in-cheek because... At UCLA, he was thought to be the next great, unbelievable, and it just didn't quite work out. We got a new guy by the name of Brock Purdy because, in the opinion of a lot of people, he is cleated Jesus. <laughs> but we'll circle back to him for a second in a little bit. Let me get to this real fast. The Chargers. So this looked to be a route against Jacksonville on Saturday. Yeah, the Chargers up 27 to nothing. Trevor Lawrence throws four interceptions in the first half, four of them. Anything that could go wrong did. There was a punt that hit a Jaguars player in the helmet. Chargers recover, they score right away. It was just a crazy first half. Jags fight all the way back from a 27 point deficit. They end up winning the game 31 30. So, of course, it's all about the blame game. Who do you blame? Who's most at fault? And I've been hearing a lot of negativity directed at Justin Herbert. I've heard a lot. I've read a lot. Like, you know, Twitter, a lot of people putting it out there. Oh, this is on Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert shouldn't get a free pass. It's Justin uh, Herbert's fault. You can't be called an elite quarterback, have a 27-point lead, and give it up. I, I hear all of this stuff, and I'm like, what are these people talking about? What are you talking about? If we're playing the blame game over here with the Chargers, you got to start with Brandon Staley, the head coach. Playing Mike Williams and the starters against Denver in a meaningless game backfired in a major, major way. I know Staley's not the only coach to do that. I know. But not every other head coach has a player as banged up and as injury prone as Mike Williams is. I'm not calling him soft. I'm just saying he's injury prone because he's injured a lot, including this season. Why are you playing that guy in a meaningless game? And, oh, he just he suffered a small fracture in his back, and he was out against Jacksonville. If that guy is on the field, the Chargers have a much better chance to win the game. So that is on Brandon Staley. When you're up 27 to nothing, and you're a defensive-minded head coach, it is time for you to eat. And they didn't. They gave up the lead. I would look at the defense as a whole and not just Brandon Staley either. I would look at a wide-open Zay Jones for an easy touchdown. If you're up 27 points as a defense, if you're any good, that should be game-set match. It should be a freaking wrap at that time. You go back to some of the dominant defenses like the 2000 Ravens, If the Ravens scored, it was probably a wrap. Just get a score. If you get to 10, 13 points, oh, forget it. I I don't even need that to be the case. I know it's 2023 now. Things are different in the NFL. Rules are different. It's harder to be a dominant defense like that. Like the 2000 Ravens, the 01 Bucks, 85 Bears, all that stuff. Things have changed. But to have a 27-point lead, that should be a wrap. And to make this all about Justin Herbert is laughable. Like, why is Zay Jones wide open? Why can't the defense get stops? Wh- why not? How about Cameron Dicker, the kicker, missing a 40-yarder, would have given the Chargers a 13-point lead. That was huge. Joey Bosa, Gronk spiking his helmet, and that giving Jacksonville the ball at the one-yard line to convert a two point play to cut the deficit to two. Like, if he doesn't Gronk spike his helmet, it's just a simple extra point. It's a three point game. Maybe Jacksonville doesn't score a touchdown at the end. They kick a, a field goal to tie it. You're playing overtime. You're still alive in the game. The helmet toss was huge. Like, here's the truth sometimes we dwell on quarterbacks too much, good and bad. Like we're getting the good with Brock Purdy, dwelling on him way, too, <laughs> way too much. We're dwelling on Justin Herbert, way too much in a bad sense. Justin Herbert in the second half was ten of nineteen. That he was ten of nineteen and a half. He didn't throw a bunch of interceptions. He didn't fumble a couple of times. He didn't throw a pick six. There wasn't a defensive score. Like there were no major gaffs. If that were the case, okay, fine. You got a leg to stand on. He was 10 for 19 in the second half. And some people are making it all about him. You know who else was uh, 9 for 19 in the first half? Brock Purdy. The guy who everyone's just been slobber city. Slobber, slobber, slobber. Oh, this guy. Brock Purdy. Ah, slobber, slobber. He was worse in the first half than Justin Herbert was in the second half. And I know that Purdy is Mr. Irrelevant, and he's a rookie, and I know Justin Herbert's been around, what, his third year, so things are not equal. I know a lot of people struggle with comparisons, and they'll always try to find out what's different instead of what's similar, but the point is, if you're talking about Brock Purdy being amazing, and that guy was 9 for 19 in the first half... Why are we making the loss all about Justin Herbert when he was 10 for 19 in the second half? That makes no sense. Like, look, all I ask is keep your criticism realistic. Uh, Justin Herbert missed an open receiver, which would have been a sure touchdown. That's legitimate criticism. Fine. I'm all ears when it comes to that. But all I'm saying is if you're criticizing Justin Herbert before Brandon Staley. Before Cameron Dicker, the kicker. Before Joey Gronk, Spike Bosa. Before the defense in general, who was spotted the 27-point lead and couldn't close the deal. If you're blaming Herbert before all of that stuff, that's a bad take. It's a really bad take. And look, I get it. There's just so much emotion floating around. There have been people that have been slobber city over Justin Herbert. And it's really emotional. People are tired of it. I played this the other night. So, this is partially where the emotion stems from. This is Ryan Harris. I think he does a great job. Former NFL player, went to Notre Dame, shout out. Doing his broadcasting stuff. This is what he had to say on CBS radio about Justin Herbert earlier this season. Did I get that right? You think Justin Herbert is the best quarterback
0: you've ever seen more than Peyton Manning?
2: No, no. I played with Peyton Manning okay. and Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm telling you, he's the be- Justin Herbert's the better quarterback, best quarterback I've ever seen. It's unbelievable what he does. It is something that's only going to continue to increase, and he's got the most talented arm in the NFL.
4: Yeah, so some people hear that and they're like, what? Better than Peyton Manning? He's the best quarterback you've ever seen? You've seen Tom Brady play. You, you've seen some great quarterback. He's better th- already? Really? He doesn't even have a playoff win. So it's really emotional for some people and they've just been chomping at the bit they're just waiting they're waiting they're like lurking they're like the the dog that's just like give me a reason you know just give me an opportunity and I'm going to bite your neck off they've been waiting for Justin Herbert to falter and they get a, a little you know like sneak peek just a little bit of just like a eh, little glimpse And man, they're going all in as if he's thrown three pick sixes. As if, as if he was Trevor Lawrence in the second half. You know, like Trevor Lawrence had four picks in the first half. As if Herbert threw four picks in the second half. That's not what happened. At all. So making it about Herbert doesn't make sense to me. Does not make sense to me. But some of those people are out there. uh, In full force. (laughs) (laughs) in full freaking force. I do love, uh, if we turn it to the Jag side of things, (laughs) Doug Peterson has got some brass stones over there, doesn't he? Right? Like, you go for a two-point conversion down by four, if that backfires, that's huge. I I know that you had the ball at the one, but again, even if going for two it doesn't work, you know what's going to happen. And they lose that game? Oh my gosh. I love when coaches don't make decisions based on what people will say if it doesn't work out, right? Like Doug Peterson, he's like, I think this is the best call. I think this gives us the best chance to win. So I'm going to do it. And if it doesn't work out, I'll take the slings and arrows. I love that. Like he going back to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Like uh, you want to go Philly, Philly? Like Nick Foles said to him, he's like, yeah, let's do it. If that doesn't work. Oh my gosh. What are you doing? You're running a trick play? Just run it on in. Why would you do that? Yada, yada, yada. I love when coaches just do what they think will put their their team in the best position to win. It goes back years ago. Bill Belichick against the Colts. Regular season game. Fourth and two. At like their own 30. Something like that. They're like, ah, let's go for it. We can't stop Peyton Manning in their offense. Let's, let's just go for it. It's their best chance to win. They almost got it. They didn't. They lost. And he took a lot of criticism. And he's just like, yeah, I I thought that gave us the best chance to win. What do you want me to tell you? I love when coaches do that. Because there are a lot of coaches that are like, oh, I might get criticized. Let's not do it. Also, on a positive note, a Trevor Lawrence, man. Trevor Lawrence, brutal to start the game out. Four interceptions. There are a lot of quarterbacks that would have folded. A lot. And he came back and threw four touchdown passes. That that was pretty impressive. I know you can look at it and say, well, what do you want, a cookie for You know, throwing four interceptions? No, no, no. But you know as well as I do, there are a lot of quarterbacks. They would have been inside their own head. They would have completely lost confidence. They would have gone into a shell, and it would have been over. And for him to come back in his first playoff game like that, that's pretty good, man.